Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is Original Flow. Ready for it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this with me. I love all the stuff that you're putting out. I love, I mean, the album that you're wearing on your shirt. I love um, the videos, the photos. Like, OG Flow is killing it right now. So I appreciate it. Uh, Tell us who you are. What do you do? Um, I do everything. Um, <laughs> um, I do, you know, I do music. I'm a hip hop artist, a poet, a music producer, sound engineer, um, photographer, videographer. Uh, eventually, I want to step into being a cinematographer as well. Um, also, an event planner, um, event curator, host. Uh, I do everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do it all. Um, I guess. So is there one of these things that is like your, your main jam, what you sort of like identify with the most, or is it all just kind of like this um, hive mind of you? <laughs> I want to say it is, it's all me, but you know, my, my roots are from music, obviously. Like that's just, you know, that's me. Um, a hundred percent. Uh, doing music is something that's very true to my heart. I've been doing music since I was a little kid, and I was literally snapping my fingers to own rhythm in my head when I was a little kid. And so music has just been my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I like that you start with poet, actually, is that a lot of even like songwriters or rappers don't even quite call themselves poets. So I guess what is the importance of having that distinction to you um because in poetry is it's literally all about the words mm -hmm. it's all about the words how you say them um uh, what are the purpose behind them there's always a story behind uh poetry um whether it's short and simple or uh long and and exhausting uh there's always a story behind it um and sometimes in, in modern songwriting, there's not, there's not a lot of story. It's just a hodgepodge of, of commercial endorsements. Yeah, right, <laughs> you right. Know? Um, but with poetry, you have to take a little bit more time actually developing a concept, an idea behind it. And even the words in itself is an emotional expression. Yeah. What words you use. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Tell me where you began in your musical journey and kind of how you got to here from there. <laughs> um, I began my uh, musical journey when I was a little kid and my dad, he would play uh, he would play all types of music and I'm just over there vibing and he would play like classical jazz, uh, hip hop whatever you know he would just play everything because my dad was a weird guy when it came to music he just played everything and i was i absorbed everything because of that mm -hmm. and i used to go to bed listening to classical music and wake up listening to jazz yeah because the classical station would turn into the jazz station mm -hmm. uh overnight and it was just it was just an awesome experience and so i uh i just would just consume 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 all these different types of music and i really had a fixation on words when i was little and i would try to write words and uh, i would try to write uh poems and, and things of that nature poems just really stuck with me i was like man i really like this but i just didn't really like the format that they tried to show me at school and i was like oh here's a haiku and here's this and this like i'm like yeah and they're like, well, we can also do free form. I'm like, yes, free form. Yeah. I do whatever I want, you know. <laughs> and it was very liberating for me uh, to write poems. And I would always get really good grades in my English class because of my poems and stuff. Mm. And it was something I was really in tune with. And for me, it just felt like something that was so natural was putting words together. And, you know, I try to I try to do some some rapping. <laughs> and uh it just didn't turn out right at first mm -hmm. and so i was like well maybe i'm maybe i should just be a singer i don't know that mm -hmm. sounds easier so i tried to sing 
And then my best friend, uh, <laughs> who actually uh, produced this album, uh, Black Man Kid Boy. Um, we've been best friends for a very long time. He, like, laughed his butt off, like, when I was trying to sing in front of him. I was like, man, what you think about this? He was like, he was like bro, don't don't ever do that again. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, come on. I could be a good singer. He was like, nah, man. And then he started mocking the, the song. and I was like, come on, man. And so, like, every once in a while, he'll, he'll start singing those lyrics. I'm like, come on, man. Why are you still teasing me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, so I went back to try to rap. And then this time, I took it a little bit more serious. And it is it is picked up. Mm-hmm. And then it just started going and going and going. And through uh, middle school and, and high school and all those things, um, I was doing all the talent shows and everything. And it was one thing I felt like I felt like the cool kid in you know in the movies. Mm-hmm. I'm just this little. At the time, I was a, a ninth grader, and we were rocking a, a talent show, and all like the the big kids, the older kids yeah. was was feeling my music. So I was like, "Oh man, like yo, I'm the cool kid." <laughs> and come uh, come like high school and. All the freshmen, you know, getting picked on, you know, fresh meat. And everybody's coming around trying to trying to mess with him. And they was like, oh, leave him alone. He cool, he cool. I was like, yes, yes, I did it. And so I was so excited. Um, but it was just it's something that's been it's been with me this entire journey. And even when I tried to like pull away from it, like when I first started uh my my college, uh, I started O Triple C. And I just have my doubts, you know, because when you're in high school, being on the radio or being on TV or whatever is like the peak of your success. They're like, man, when you get on the radio, you're going to blow up, you know. And uh, so when I got out of high school, a very, a very much reality hit me in the face. I was like, oh, man, this is really, really hard work mm-hmm. to get out there. I thought I was, you know, the king. Yeah. You know, I was selling my CDs to all my friends on graduation day and everybody bought it. So I'm walking out with a good, cool, crisp $200. And right. I'm like, yo, this is what's up, you know. And then I got hit with reality. It's like, yo, you really got to work hard, man. And um, so I started putting in all the legwork and, and all the hard work and stuff. And uh, through that, that journey, I got a little down because I was like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> this is harder than I thought. And um, we didn't have social media like we did now. It was very, like we had uh, Facebook in its like beginning stages. Mm-hmm. And so, which in some cases was good, like the one-to-one promoting, like you could literally, if you had a thousand followers, you could promote to all thousand of your yeah. followers and they will all see it. And that was the beauty about it. But um, we didn't have like a Spotify and, Apple Music and all that stuff. We didn't have any of those things or not even SoundCloud still wasn't around either. So I was just like, man, how do I get to all these people? Yeah. And so I was just literally just pushing CDs and stuff and it was just difficult. And I had a moment to where I just was like, man, this is just too much. And I tried to stop and I'm walking to class one time and there's this music studio at C. And it was this one guy in there and he's just in there working on some music. And then there's this, uh, this one woman in there and she's in there singing and stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, let me go check it out. (laughs) And I go in there and I just hear them working on music and stuff. And it was just a beautiful thing just to see it, you know, go down like that. And just like, man, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And so I started working with those guys and stuff, and then I started getting attention outside of uh, of uh, in uh, in the city and stuff. And I started meeting people um, that really made a difference. And uh, one of the people that I met, uh, his name is Marcus Hayes, and um, at the time he was uh, he was owner of uh, um, Local Heat Magazine, mm-hmm. and Local Heat Magazine they did pretty much everything for a local talent and this local news, they would cover just about everything. Um, they would talk about concerning issues that maybe the, the mainstream 
uh, magazines didn't cover. And so it was always a blast um, talking with him because he was very knowledgeable and kind of put me on game about everything. He was like, man, you're really talented. You're young, you're young dude. And so I just want to make sure you're going in the right direction and stuff. And he helped me out a lot. And I was able to, to get, you know, to know a lot of other people like really fast, but I was just a young kid and I didn't have the knowledge on what to do with those contacts. I got people, you know, radio stations and people from different states, you know, giving me their number personally, right. DJs. And I was like, hey, I got the number. <laughs> like not even thinking about, OK, I need to do a follow up. I need to communicate with them. I need to send out my EPK and all that. I didn't think about it. I didn't have a manager. I was this kid trying to be famous rapping, you know. Yeah. And um, but that grew. And uh, from that from that point, um, I was like, man, I need to learn more about the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and from there, um, I was, uh, telling my, uh, my other best friend, uh, Josh, uh, he's, he's the drummer in my band, the Fervent Route. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we went to school together for forever too, but I was telling him, I was like, man, I was like, bro, we need to learn more about the music business. Yeah. This is tough. I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so we was like, okay, well. Let's see if we can combine our, our our business degrees with music degrees. Mm -hmm. And so we went to our advisors and stuff. They didn't have no idea about a music school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you guys, I was like, y'all supposed to be my advisor. Like, how do y'all not know this? And long story short, they was just kind of keep us there, you know, because mm -hmm. that's how they get paid. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, I don't know about any other school. That doesn't. So we had to do our own research. And then that's when we found ACM mm -hmm. and ACM was still brand new uh, to the city. But, you know, those teachers, I mean, those advisors should have known that. And so we find ACM and then we talked to our advisors about it. I was like, well, what about ACM? It was like, ACM. I've never heard of that. That doesn't <laughs> exist. He tried to look it up. He was like, yeah, that doesn't. Exist. I was like, man, he, he probably playing like uh, Pokemon Go or something. <laughs> nah, but, uh. You know, this BS in us. And so we decided to transition from uh, from OCCC to UCO, ACM and UCO. Mm -hmm. And that's what we decided to do. And uh, we did that together, uh, Josh and I. And we went over to ACM and we went into the music business class. And uh, we had to create uh, like a personal video of why we wanted to be a part of ACM. And... We went in. I remember, I think my, my pitch was I wanted to start my own record label and I wanted to learn learn the ins and outs of the, of the business because having a record label just sounded really fun. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was probably the worst decision I could have ever made. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in that same process, I learned about the music business uh, to a degree. And it wasn't necessarily the content that I was learning. It was more so being around the people um, and then I, we started getting more serious gigs and we started uh, performing a lot more and I, I was booking shows and putting together shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I had more knowledge about the music industry than I did. Mm -hmm. And going to that school uh, reassured me that I was like, oh, I already know this stuff. Yeah. And it was just a blessing to, to have that. And, um, you know, with that school, they gave a lot of opportunities uh, to to everyone and I got a chance to network and meet a lot of people which was really fun and honestly they should just have like I don't know if they have it now but it would be nice if they just had like an open call to like a networking event mm -hmm. for people at ACM I think that would benefit a lot yeah. Um, but yeah that's that's I mean that's like my early beginnings is you know from pretty much elementary school all the way to, to college and, and graduating with my music business degree. Um, it's just all been encompassed with music. And throughout that whole journey, I was doing shows, putting shows together, um, putting events together and stuff, and just learning and uh, getting a chance to meet new people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I went to ACM as well. And it's like the people that like just go to class and they're like, I don't get it. What's the, like, what's the big deal? <laughs> I feel like it's like, no, you have to like 
talk to everyone around you. You have to talk to teachers and network like that's the rest of the experience. And like if you're paying all this money to go to college, like you got to squeeze every little bit out of it. People, I think uh, a lot of people and I'm I'm subject to this, too. We assume that we go to college and we try to treat it like it was high school in a sense to where we're being uh, we're having our hand held and they're telling us what we should do and what we need to do. And that's not the case. And in, in college, they, they give you the information. It's literally like going into a library, but it's up to you to decide which books you need to read, mm-hmm. which is going to help benefit your career. Yeah. It's literally just an open source of knowledge and it's up to you to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of people that'll leave and say, I didn't, I didn't get anything from ACM. I didn't, I didn't get anything from them. And they weren't speaking with the professors, like you were saying, speaking with other business owners and stuff. They're trying to get more knowledge about the uh, the music business. Like we spoke, I, I, because of ACM, like I've met, I've, I've met country artists, pop artists, R&B artists, um, event planners, uh, stagehands, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff that's really relevant to putting together shows or networking. I met people that are trying to be managers for different artists. They're trying to learn a little bit more about the business. And it's up to you whether or not you want to, you know, be able to handle that stuff. And yeah. if you're in there just playing around and not taking it serious, you're not going to get anything from it. Yeah. So then where does the video photography stuff come in? So in between uh, going to ACM, like that was like when we were uh, financial aid started becoming really weird. And I got half of my financial aid uh, one one semester and I couldn't afford going to college. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just working uh, at the time I was working at uh, at Best Buy. I was working like like part-time hours. I wasn't really making a lot. And um, and they cut me off. Mm-hmm. You know, they cut me off from my education because I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And to this day, that made me upset. And um, I was wanting to, I was wanting to be done with school because I was like, that's not right, man. Like, how can you, like, hold someone's education hostage mm-hmm. because they don't have, you know, the finances. Like that's the reason why we're going to college just yeah. so we can have the finances. It's such a hustle. And the thing that people don't realize is you have to pay to get into college and you have to pay to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you got a per degree. If you were like a genius, every single degree that you're applying for, every single uh, achievement that you made in college, you have to pay for it to be recognized. And they don't talk about that stuff, the the cap and the gown, all these different robe ideas and accessories and stuff that all comes out of your pocket. Like they don't, they're not providing any of that for you, including the books and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's really, they're making a clear statement on the people that they want to go to college. (laughs) That's people with a significant amount of wealth. And so if you're coming from poor beginnings, that's not fair. And so I was stuck. And that was my first time ever in my life where I was not in school other than being a baby, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I got to pick up something. Yeah. I got to learn how to do something. (laughs) And so I started learning photography Mm -hmm. and it was like a whole year to where I was studying photography. And then uh, I got a camera. At the time, my mom, she got me an awesome camera, and uh, it was like a Nikon uh, 3300, I believe. And I was just going around taking pictures mm-hmm. of of my band at the time, and we were working on stuff, you know, going to shows and stuff and performing, mm-hmm. and we were doing all that. And I would take pictures and... I would get I this guy really good and I got online and I would study the classes on there and I was doing that in my um, you know my free time and and then over time I just started learning more and more about it and I got a, a more powerful camera and uh it was something I really enjoyed doing too. I was like, man, I really actually enjoy taking pictures. 
And uh, this year, um, specifically, um, everything kind of changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, I was working at Best Buy. I finally got uh, full time. I have been full time for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I was working there for about, uh, actually, this year would have been my 10th year there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and because of COVID, mm-hmm. they completely removed my, my position. And instead of like saying, well, you're a 10-year veteran here, we need to move you somewhere mm-hmm. so we can keep you on board. Because it wasn't like I was showing up late and, you know, picking my fingers and picking my nose and stuff when people come in and all that stuff. I would show up on time and anything they would ask me to do, I would do it. I was, yeah. like, I was like, hey, as long as you show me how to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was picking up everything really fast. Um, because of COVID, I couldn't do my job because I did asset protection. Mm. And so I'm ensuring that, you know, the safety of the store. And um, they got rid of the entire position. Mm. Um, I don't know if they're bringing it back or not. I don't, I don't know. But um, instead of moving me around, <clears throat> they were just like, uh, well, we can offer you part-time. And like, y'all go take away all my benefits. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll get the same hours, maybe not, you know. And that's pretty much what he said. Like uh, my boss at the time, he was like, man, we may or may not give you the hours that you want. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. I was like, bro, like I've been here 10 years. I'm thinking in my head, like I've been here 10 years and that's, <clears throat> that's the most you can offer me. He's like, or you can take the severance. And really it was just about them trying to get rid of people mm-hmm. because they had a quota and it's like, well, the store can't survive because, you know, they get basically the stores get a certain amount of money to spend on labor. And they're like, well, you got you gonna have to cut somebody. Yeah. So they cut the most expensive people first. And, you know, I'm doing I'm full time. I got benefits, all that kind of stuff. So they're trying to get rid of me. And uh, so I just took the severance mm-hmm. and I dipped and I thought, I was like, man, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a good amount. I've been here 10 years <laughs> Man, they taxed the mess out of my, <laughs> so I was like, wow, y'all might as well just gave me $5, man. Yeah. And then I was just like, all right. And this is my first time, like not having a job after mm-hmm. having a job for so long. And so I didn't, I've never filed for unemployment, any of that things. And I tried to file for unemployment. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And they make it confusing purposefully yeah. because they don't want to give you money. <laughs> like, who wants to just give you money? Right. And so they made it really difficult. You had to go and fax this information and do that and talk about that. And since I had severance, I had to talk about how much I got. But the online uh, site and how much you're supposed to put in, there's no there's no way to accurately put that in. And mm-hmm. it was just really confusing. Um, they didn't tell me the amount of severance I was going to get because it was delayed. And so I needed to know that for unemployment because you had to file as soon as possible. So I didn't know. And like months later, I'm now getting how much I have. And now I have to report that. And it was just, it was just so confusing. Long story short, I didn't end up getting any money from unemployment. They didn't pay me a dime. And I was just so upset because I was like, man, I'm screwed, you know. And so I really had to scramble. And uh, one of the purchases I made was a really good camera, which was a A7 III Sony camera. And um, I did that. And I was just doing that for like my personal use because I was doing for like production mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, man, I just need a better camera. So I got that because I was using my GoPro at, at the time. And I was like, man, this ain't cutting it. And so I, I just, you know, upgraded my, my stuff, got the A7 III. And I started making really dope visuals. Mm-hmm. And I took a I took a picture of one of my friends or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, do you, you do photography? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, How much you charge? I was like, uh, quick, think of something. Think of something, Flo. A mm-hmm. uh, hundred? Like, oh, wow, okay, a hundred? That's easy. I was like, did I just make a hundred dollars that easy? Yep. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, next client, uh, 150. And like, oh, that's it? I was like, wow, this is easy. Mm-hmm. And it went from just one person to the next person to, you know, now I have a whole client base of, of people. 
And I just started taking pictures and, and it started getting interesting. Then uh, one of my friends, he was telling me that uh, this uh, marketing group or whatever is in need of a photographer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shoot, I'm a photographer, yeah. you know? So I reached out to them and uh, they was like, they were looking at my my Instagram because I have an Instagram for my photography. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, like you do some great shots, man. How long you been doing this? Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, like for a year, you know? I was like, oh my goodness, like this is great. And uh, they were just asking me, I was like, can you take pictures of cars? I was like, well, I've never taken pictures of cars before, but I'll give it a shot. It's like, all right, great. Go take this picture of that car out there. And so with the lenses I had, I was just like, all right, cool. I'm glad I brought my camera. Mm-hmm. And I started taking pictures of this car. And they saw the pictures. Like, oh, man, these are awesome. I was like, oh, thanks, man. And so they wanted me to go to these dealerships and take pictures of cars. And in my head, I was thinking like Fast and Furious, <laughs> like I was going to meet Vin Diesel, like it was going to happen, like all these things were going to go down and oh my God, it was the worst decision I made in my life. <laughs> and so the job was okay for for a little bit, it was a contract job. Uh, long story short, another guy called me, which I didn't have his phone number or whatever, he worked for the, the company like talks noise and is talking about like all my pictures were trash and like this starts going in on me and saying like uh i'm the reason why this client that we're losing the client or whatever i was like just for pictures though like really you're losing a client because of the pictures and he was like man you just do what you're told i was like first of all this is a contract Uh, I don't do what I'm told. I'm not your employee. It'd be different if I worked for you guys. I'm contracted with you. Is a difference. You need to understand your business etiquette. And dudes is going off on me and stuff. And Tom, I was just a terrible photographer. My photos, are, they suck and all that kind of stuff. All the clients were complaining about my photos. I was like, you just now telling me four weeks in? Right. I was like, wow, okay. Um, so it was just, it was just hilarious. And I was just like, all right, man, well, I'm, I'm just give my, I'm going to give my last check and I'm out. <laughs> you can handle the rest or whatever. And so I was just so happy to be done with that place. And, uh, then I started my own marketing company. There you go. And, yeah. <laughs> and I just started doing my own thing. And it's, it's been great ever since, but yeah, that's my story of photography <laughs> and uh, videography. Um, no, yeah, and it's, I mean, especially tying in with all the music stuff, it's like you don't realize just how visual music needs to be until you start trying to put stuff out and market it and tell people about it. It's like, oh, I need to take a lot of pictures. I need to do a lot <laughs> of videos. <laughs> it's true, and the demand for videos is extremely high right now. So learning how to do it is is paramount for anybody, for any creative, really. Even if you don't own a camera, it's important to know the ins and outs of videography. If you want to see your vision come to life, you can ask for specific things and to know when you're being overcharged. Mm-hmm. Because there is there are some people that are saying they're videographers and they come out with like a uh, a cell phone mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, man, I'm going to make your music video. I was like, all right, okay, you got a phone. That's fine. But where's your lighting? Do you have any lighting? Do you have any proper way to record sound or what's happening? And they're like, uh, oh, uh, yeah, that's going to be 500 extra. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm cool, man. <laughs> you can't even bring your own lights. I appreciate the grind, but also. Right. Like, <laughs> you're not trying to hustle me right now. It's not going to happen. Um, Let's dig in a little bit deeper. Um, I guess, at what point did you know that music was what you had to do? What, like, that it was your life, basically? Um. Probably when I met this dude, um, this was like MySpace era. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had met through this other program called uh, uh, Acid Planet. And Acid Planet was uh, put together by Sony uh, Music Studios when they had the uh, Acid Music Studio. Mm-hmm. And basically, it was ahead of its t- it was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. If it would have came out this year, uh, the competition would have got blown away. Yeah. Essentially, the software offered... Uh, an opportunity to 
connect and network with people over uh, across the world. Mm. And so I was doing collaborations with people from Paris and France and all kind of places in the world. Mm. And that was unheard of at that time, you know, to be able to just uh, cross network with people without even, you know, having connections out there and stuff. So people was really like building connections and networking. And I met this one dude and uh, he was, he was from Dallas, Texas. And we had did some collaborations together and stuff on the site. And then we all moved to MySpace for some reason. It was strange. We all just moved over to my, we just migrated over to MySpace and um, like we got a chance to chat and stuff. And, he was uh, he was just talking about all the stuff he was doing, and uh, we were working on music, and he was like, he was like, man, I got, I got to be honest with you, man. Uh, I was in like heavily in gang and all that kind of stuff, and it was just a hard life for me. Mm-hmm. It was a real hard life for me, and he was like, every time I listen to your music, like that's what kind of pulled me away from that stuff and mm-hmm. pulled me away from that and violence and stuff and I just want to appreciate you for that and I was a young kid at the time and so that just it just shocked me and that was when I I knew absolutely like okay my music can be used for good yeah and it's pulling people away from violence and and destroying themselves in their communities um this needs to be something I do for real and I really started putting uh putting all my power into it and being being relief instead of causing the grief and that's what my band and i uh we we decided to do when we were performing like people would feel like this euphoria after we finish and it's just like this overwhelming amount of peace mm-hmm. and people just felt more intimate with each other people felt less of a stranger with each other and stuff yeah. and we were bringing people together yeah and it just it was just a, a strange concept at the time because, you know, people talk about it and how music can bring people together. But to see it, yeah. to see it happen in real time, it just kind of it changes your perspective on life. It's like, man, we can really change things just with music. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and that's actually like kind of thinking about the like the local music scene and everything. It's uh, I mean, I think you guys are really different having rap with a band, you know, like Tribe Called Quest and The Roots and stuff, like, um, I guess what drove that idea? Was it just like you're with friends, you want to have a band? Or was it like, no, we really want to like intentionally, you know, not just be up there doing effectively glorified karaoke or something. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my best friend, Josh, he's a drummer. And um, like I said, we were friends in high school and uh, middle school. And he was in a band. Um, let me try. It was called Voltage Nights, mm. and it was like a rock band. They was with, with some of my friends from high school. And um, before we had went to ACM or O Triple C, we were talking about going to uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Full Sail University. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go to Full Sail, but it was all the way in Florida, and so we was like, man, how do we make it there? And so he was talking with his guys, the the band that he was with, and he was like, man, I was thinking about going to Full Sail University. And I was like, well, we kind of need a drummer that's here. <laughs> and then, like, he got kicked out. Uh, you know, and it just upset me a lot. I was like, man, I was like, well, we don't need them, man. We make our own band then. <laughs> and so it was just him and me, and I would just play my tracks, and he would just drum to the tracks. Yeah. And that's how I kind of started. And then uh, when we got into ACM, mm. we met some cool people. It was this one guy, his name was Mitch. He was our guitarist for a long time. He had a big blues uh, like history. And he was, just, he was just nasty with the guitar. It was so beautiful. And then uh, we met this other guy. His name was Andrew. Um, and he was going to ACM too. And uh, he was he was also classically trained. And like he's just killing on the piano, uh, super like real reserved and quiet type. Didn't really he didn't really talk to me for like two years. It was just more like, hey, what's up? What's up? And not like anything else. I was like, hey man, you can play, so that's what it is. <laughs> and uh, throughout that transition, we had like a few like um, people just you know make appearances in our band. 
through that. But for the most time, for the most part, it was just them playing tracks mm. to my uh, <clears throat> to my songs. And uh, then we originally we started making like original music um, or alternative versions of those songs. Yeah. And that that evolved from that to it was like, let's just make our own songs. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew, he got a little bit more comfortable with us and started developing new melodies and all kind of stuff and really started laying out the the path for what the fervent route turned into. And um, it just turned into this this beautiful correlation between like experimental hip hop and like uh, blues and and like sometimes even like uh, I would say like synth and all that stuff, like everything just started melding together. We didn't know what we were creating, but yeah. it sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. And all of our combined histories and all our knowledge kind of worked together. And then um, Mitch, he uh, he had to leave and he went back to Japan because he lived in Japan with, mm-hmm. with his family. And so he went back there. And so we were down a guitarist and we we're like, crap, you know, and then we found uh, another guitarist. His name was Daniel. And he ended up being the solid member of the group. And uh, I remember we were interviewing him or auditioning him. And we were like joking around because we all know each other and stuff now. And we we're just playing around. He's like, hey, you guys seem cool, but I don't really know y'all. So just give me a few months and then I can joke around with you guys. <laughs> and literally like a few months later, he was joking around with us. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> But now we're all like a big family and it's just, it's a great thing to have. And um, it kind of developed on itself, evolved on itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has turned into something that none of us really saw coming. Yeah. But it's just a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's really, really unique yeah. to, uh, to have that. So it's definitely appreciated to have something really different in, in the scene. What's something people don't normally know about you? That don't normally know about me? That I really enjoy, like, my personal time. Like, I I do not like being around in big crowds really, like, for a long time. <laughs> like, it just, it does something to me, and I get anxiety, and I'm just like, man, I, I don't really want to be around a lot of people all the time. <laughs> and... Like I would get invited to all these different after parties and after shows and stuff, and everybody's just passing blunts and and alcohol getting thrown everywhere. And I'm like, bro, I just want to go home <laughs> and like play some Final Fantasy and just for like relax, <laughs> you know. Like I'm not trying to be around all this, you know, this craziness and stuff. And somebody get drunk and you know they throw up on you and stuff. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you know, like, I ain't trying to be around all that craziness or whatever. So I really like my personal space like a lot. And yeah, it's it's a weird thing uh being a musician but also like kind of being introverted and it's like you got to go out to bars, play all these shows and stuff, but also it's like all right, now I'm good. <laughs> it has it, I think it has something to do with uh the stage. Like there's there's something different about it like when I'm when I'm performing or whatever, I can jump in the crowd and just be completely fine. Mm-hmm. But as soon as like the music is done, like I don't know what to say to you. Like I'm just, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, hey man, what's up? Thanks, thanks for coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll get people that's like, oh my god, I love you guys so much. Your music is amazing. Oh my goodness. Oh, and I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then what advice do you have for people that are wanting to get started in music? Mm. Hmm. The biggest thing I would suggest is you need to define your idea of success. Like before you get started with anything else, define what you want out of this music, because there's there's multiple ways of success, but you have to be able to define that. Because if you don't define it, uh, if you're working with someone, they'll probably define it for you. And you'll be doing all kinds of stuff that you don't want to do. So if you want to be famous, you want to be popular and stuff, you need to research all the hits. You need to research people who make hits. 
And you need to be working with people who are going to get you to that, to that, that step, that caliber. It's just, this is common knowledge. Like if you want to be around with someone, you don't have to join the, the copy and paste world. I mean, just being honest, like everyone's trying to do drill, drill hop now because it's popular, not because they understand the history of where it comes from, the, the, the drill rap and, uh, just the violence that's behind it, um, in Chicago, um, no one cares about any of that stuff. They just like, well, it sounds cool. So I'm gonna do drill rap. Like you don't even know what drill rap is, you know? <laughs> and, you know, if you want to be a, a trend follower, then that's, that's your way to the, the top 100, top 50, top 10. Mm-hmm. That's how you make it. And you're probably not going to be writing your own lyrics. Um, so you got to get used to paying for ghostwriters. You got to used to paying for the, the top producers that are going to make not the best sound of music, but the music that sells mm-hmm. um, to these to these labels that you're trying to get involved in. You got to build up your following. So you're going to be fake as hell. So that means you got to drop all your friends. Really, you got to drop uh, anybody and everybody that's, you know, that knows the real you. You got to come out and be this completely different person. Like you really have to make a transition. It's a lot of sacrifice for people who are trying to be popular and famous. But for people who are just wanting to stay super low key, you can keep your friend base and keep all that stuff. You need to be knowledgeable about the music industry. Um, you gotta have to learn a lot more skills than just rapping or singing or whatever you do. You're gonna have to learn the business. Gonna have to learn a little bit about, um, social media marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, the first, the four, the first choice is, you know, trying to be famous and popular. You can just hire everyone to do all that stuff. Granted, it's going to be a lot of money. You might want to take a loan out. <laughs> like for real, like take, take a good loan out, take like a $10,000 loan out, get yourself started and start investing in yourself. Um, either way, you're going to have to invest in yourself. But for people who are just wanting to let well, they say fake it till you make it, you're still faking it. Um, but you're going to have to pay a lot of money to get there. Um, but for artists who are just trying to have their art be heard and stuff, you have to go through a different channel. You can't, you can't force people who are used to consuming mainstream music to enjoy your music. It's just not going to work. They're not going to like it. And as much as you want them to like it, like, please like my music. It's so complicated and and intricate and intelligent. Like, bro, I'm just trying to shake my booty. I ain't trying to do nothing else. Like, why are you trying to tell me that I need to be more focused on raising my kids and like, you know, watching out for the government and how much money they're taking from me? Like, I don't need to be worrying about that. I'm just trying to, you know, throw it back real quick, (laughs) you know. And so you got to understand the audience that you're catering to. And so there's multiple ways uh, of being successful in the industry. You just have to define the one that's for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Into deep questions. Um, What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Well, I'm definitely not religious. (laughs) Um, uh, When people say spiritual, I think, I don't know. A lot of people just say it's like a cop out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they don't really have to answer a question, (laughs) but I am very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, uh, my connection with God or, uh, whatever, where you use to define God as, um, is extremely strong and is extremely present in my life. Mm -hmm. And the more you understand that connection, you know, the clearer your path is going to get in your life. So that's my answer for that one. Yeah. What is your definition of God? My definition of God? Um, shoot, like, I would say that's a, that's a tough one because I would say it's kind of hard to define what God is because it's everything, <laughs> you know, it's like literally everything um, to, you know, like, I would say I felt, you know, the presence of God even even stronger this year because of everything I went through, um, just losing my job and feeling this kind of like kind of abandoned by, you know, the the government that was supposed to take care of you, you know, when you lose your job due to this, this crazy pandemic, whatever, like I felt betrayed and I didn't feel like, uh, anyone had my back. And so I was losing, 
losing faith in a lot of things, but God always was was there, like reinvigorating me to continue to move. Like I remember, uh, I was doing a uh, a photo shoot of uh, with my girlfriend um, on this rooftop, and I didn't make any money that day. I was just upset because I didn't have a job, and I was like, "Man, this is terrible." And so we're finishing up this photo shoot, and we see some people. Um, just kind of putting stiff stuff together or whatever. And this lady comes and talks to me. She's like, excuse me, are you a photographer? Mm-hmm. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, oh, that's nice. So are you, are you done? Are you, <laughs> well, uh, I was like, well, we're just about to wrap up today, but you know, uh, what was going on? She was like, oh, well, see my son, he's proposing to his, his, uh, his, his girlfriend and, like we need, we didn't think about a photographer, and I was like, "What?" And so she was like, "How much do you charge?" And I was like, "Uh," and my girlfriend she nudged me. I was like, "Uh, one fifty." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, okay," and pays me right there on the spot, mm-hmm. right there on the spot. And she was like, "Well, we're just gonna get things ready and all that stuff, and you guys just be ready, and this is how we're gonna do it." And they had the whole thing planned out. And once they come up there or whatever and they see me come out with the pictures and stuff and like he does the proposal and all that stuff, it was super sweet. And the funny thing is, the girl recognizes me. She was like, oh my God, that's original flow. How did you get original flow taking pictures? Oh my God, I love his music. He doesn't know that, but I love his music. And like it just turns into like this like this other bigger thing. And it was like, don't you know who that is? And like she was pointing at me. She's like, oh my god! And it was just a beautiful moment to have um, not only a fan, but you know now like a new client. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they really enjoyed the photos, and we took pictures out there. It was just a beautiful night, and uh, it was just a great experience. But that was that was my. That was my first uh, confrontation. Well, not confrontation, but like experience with with God on a different level. Mm. Because we've always communicated and uh, got me through a lot of hard times. But this one was probably the hardest because I didn't know where I was going to get any kind of payment and stuff. And God was reassuring me like, hey, man, as long as you keep working, you keep putting your your foot forward. That's an opportunity going to keep coming to you. And so that's what I did. And because of that moment. Like I just I I gain more faith and and believing and I, I don't think people fully understand what God is to a, a certain degree at least into their lives because they need something to like hold on to or something but God is untouchable in that way to where you understand that there's a, a outside force that's kind of driving you but there's also an eternal force mm-hmm. that correlates with that same response. And it's the will that you have in your in your body to really will these and speak these things to existence. You know, give, he gives us that power uh, to empower ourselves and to to push ourselves forward. And that's what I try to do every day. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, how do we reduce the division between people? And that's, that's super easy is to realize that everybody is the exact same. Like everybody wants the same thing. We all want to laugh. We all want to cry. We all want to eat. We all want to fart and, you know, have babies and all that kind of stuff. And we all just want to, you know, be appreciated for who we are. That's it. And all this other stuff is, it's all propaganda. Because when you have, we have a room full of people that have different ideas. Like uh, just yesterday, um, I was eating breakfast with my girlfriend. We were going to IHOP and I was waiting for her to come. And so I was uh, waiting for our table to be ready. And I'm sitting down, this old couple sits down, this, uh, this old white couple. And they were really sweet. She was like, hi, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing good, you know, just hungry, <laughs> you know. And um, she sits down and uh, like right by us, like the the old man, he's sitting right right next to me, and he's talking to me. How you doing? I was like, I'm doing good, sir. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, you know. 
just just a nice Sunday. It's a Sunday crowd, obviously, and we you know do a little chuckle or whatever. And um, and the lady she like looks at me and she was like, "So, uh, what do you what do you do for a living?" I was like, "What do I do for a living?" I was like, "Well." I'm a professional photographer, videographer. Um, I also do music. And uh, I put together events, and we just had a show at Heard on Heard, and we uh, we did that. It was it was great. The kids loved it and got a chance to meet everyone and, and talk to the kids and stuff. It was great. And she was like, oh, wow. I didn't tell her what genre I did, but she assumed I did hip-hop. And she was like, so explain to me what – What's what's so different about hip hop? Why is it so different? <laughs> and at first I was like, I got offended at first. I was like, you just gonna assume I do rap? I was like, well, damn, I do do rap. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, but, I do heavy metal. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I know, right? I do, I do heavy uh, deathcore metal rap. Um, but no, I uh, so I was like, well, this could be a very good learning moment for her. I was like, well, let me let me uh, help her learn something. And so I was like, well, hip hop is it's more of a it's more of a culture, kind of like rock. You know, rock is very much of a culture as it is music. And it's an expression of 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 creativity. I was like, but the difference about uh, what hip hop, I feel like, has endorsed more than any other genre is the the little man uh, stepping up to the big man. It's always about the little guy, you know. Uh, speaking about what's happening, you know, it's very storytelling driven. And she was like, I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, because the little guy, that's us. I was like, yeah, that's exactly, that's us. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy to have a deep conversation about hip hop music with this old white lady mm-hmm. and her husband. At an IHOP. At an IHOP. <laughs> you know, but what people don't realize is that if you just ask the right questions, if you just speak to people without um, a reactive mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many different things that we find out that are extremely similar. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the type of foods that we like, the type of shows that we watch, all that stuff is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put, if you put a racist, in a room with someone who doesn't have a racist mindset and you ask them their favorite Netflix shows, they'll probably give you something that's similar. They're going to meet somewhere in the middle and, you know, it's going to blow their mind. You like Stranger Things? Yeah, I love Stranger Things. You know, they hug it out or something. I don't know, but it's an, it's important that people need to realize that the division is is just a fantasy. It's something that is is created uh, to keep us divided, but there's really no difference. When you see police violence, um, it's affecting all of any any and everyone who can't afford a big lawyer who doesn't own expensive property. That's going to affect all of us, um, and that's what they do. They pick on people who can't fight back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you do, and it's not necessarily uh, you know the world that anyone can be in and I think that's the thing that we have to understand it's like life is life and you taking life is extremely detrimental to everyone's life mm-hmm. you know you don't know where that kid comes from you don't know where that person is from and um, I think the the most conflict I had was probably when um, I was creating this uh, the song uh, called Unity mm-hmm. and it was a difficult song to create because I don't think the world really understands what unity is. Mm-hmm. And and so it was hard to portray that on how how can we bring people together? Mm-hmm. And what we ended up deciding was is that we can't necessarily say, hey, everyone come together. Right. We're gonna give a hug, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the the problems, we can talk about the issues. And leave it up to the listener to come up with the conclusion mm-hmm. on what it looks like for them. And I think that's, that's what it is is people automatically think that's what unity is. It's like everyone just kind of holding hands and, mm-hmm. you know, it is it, definitely more to that because we have to get past the 
emotional um, expressions that we're so used to doing and get triggered by um, by certain things happening, you know. Like, I could have easily been triggered by that old white lady saying, like, oh, you think I like hip-hop just because I'm black? You know, this guy on her face, and she's like, oh, God, you know. She's just trying to jump out of her comfort zone because she probably at one point in time she'd be terrified to even, you know, speak with a black person or let alone have a conversation with them. So, you know, we all are emotionally damaged and mentally damaged to some degree in America. And so those small little conversations could spark a wildfire of creativity for her. And it's like, well, dang, she she might turn on some Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And it's like, listen, it's like, man, that makes so much more sense now. Mm-hmm. This guy's coming from nothing. He's talking about what this world, this, this society that's happening to him. And that's actually the same with me. Like I'm poor and the rich are taking advantage of me and my money, you know, especially for older people. It doesn't matter what, you know, what color they are. Um, the senior citizens in America are getting shafted. Mm-hmm. Whether it's their benefits, whether it's their the living conditions and stuff, mm-hmm. um, that's important to be spoken about. Yeah, you know, maybe we need some some old rappers to be talking about it. You know, <laughs> Jay Z's getting up there in age, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna wait for him to you know get old and crusty. He's gonna start talking about the retirement homes. <laughs> you know, it's oppressive. <laughs> um. What makes you content? What makes me content with uh, with music and everything? With life, I guess. With what life. are you? What are you? You know, feeling good, feeling most comfortable. Um, I guess what makes me feel like extremely content is that um, I could just travel the world doing music, photography, videography. And that's it. I can be discomfortable doing that. I mean, I'm on, I'm on my way right now because I'm, I'm, you know, self-employed. But I want to be able to to choose when and when and where I want to do that. Um, to like, hey man, you want to just go to France real quick? Like, yeah, let's go to France. You know, uh, just for the weekend. And then, but I think that's where I feel the most content right now. It's in like. A, like grind mode, like it's just, you know, trying to make sure that I take care of the basics and stuff. And um, this is the journey that I really appreciate. It's, it's, everything is a part of the journey. You have to appreciate the journey. Um, but this is where I'm really defining myself. And I'm not content yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good place to be um, and an honest place to be because I want to I want to see more of what I can do. And I'm continually, I'm continually uh, learning new skills, uh, learning new uh, things about photography and videography, and the music industry as well, production techniques and and things of that nature. Um, all of it's coming together, and I would say once I master all those things and uh, have all those skills in hand, I'll probably feel content at that point. Yeah. <laughs> What advice do you have for people in general, even just outside of music, living life? Uh, don't give up. Seriously, um, the most successful person in the room is the person that didn't give up. That's it. Like, yes, you have to be skilled. Yes, you have to have knowledge and you know experience behind these things. But the people who make it in this world are people who didn't give up. And that's the most important thing I would say for anyone is to not give up on your dreams. Um, hell, like let's not even take let's not even put dreams in there because that sounds so cliche. Dreams, you know, are dreams. They need to stay in your head. But your ideas, don't give up on your ideas. Believe in yourself. Um, be creative. Think outside the box. And you know, when everything seems like it's falling apart, that's the perfect time to use those pieces to build something stronger. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And lastly, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? <laughs> well, I, that's tough because I like I like cheesecake, but it's technically a pie. Right. Um, that's probably my favorite um, dessert ever in life. 
Um, but it's probably the worst for me because I'm lactose intolerant. So, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it would absolutely kill me. Uh, I tried to because my, uh, my birthday was in September and I had a uh, velvet cheesecake and I didn't regret it when I ate it. <laughs> but afterwards, I did. Mm. Um, yeah, that felt, it was a velvet cheesecake. It was so delicious. Oh, my goodness. Just thinking about it makes me just want to destroy my life again. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Out of all these questions, that's probably the hardest cake or pie. I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess if cheesecake, that's, that'd be it. Yeah, yeah. cheesecake. Che- yeah. Cheesecake is your... Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess the listener can decide whether or not cheesecake is pie or cake. I, I think if you are defining what a pie is, cheesecake is pie. Yeah, like what what kind of what kind of jerk does that? Like who's defining these things? <laughs> like I want to have his job, honestly. It's like, mm, that's a pie. But how do you that's a pie, okay? I have experience in this. Now pass me another one. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to sample the whole thing right. to be really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Flo, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you in your things? Um, you can find me at all social media original flow. Um, follow me on Instagram because I like that one a lot better. But you can also follow my Facebook, um, which is, I don't know, super weird. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Original Flow. Uh, TikTok, I think it's like Original Flow OKC or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't really use that. I probably got, I don't even think I have a video out. But <laughs> you can go follow it. I appreciate it. Um, but if you really want to get a chance to reach out to me, um, go to my Instagram. If you just want to listen to music, uh, you can also check out uh, all streaming platforms, Original Flow, and just look for Black Man Kid Boy. It's my newest album. And, you know, it's for anybody that's going through it and they want to listen to some real music to help them get through this this hard time that they may go through. That's a song for you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm Santiago Ramones. This is Original Flow. Seem to cling to Still surprised by the pain that it brings you On and on to that fat lady seems too Mad at the world, punchline just what I swing through Knowledge and experience is what these words bring you I don't really know much, I 
I'm just that black man here, boy, boy. I'm just that black man here, boy, boy. I'm just that black man here, boy. I don't really know much. I don't really know much. Uh. I live in a hood where they rob and they take stuff. Feeling headed down, but I had to keep my face up. Women on the corner, mass pain with their makeup. Praying for release, like, Lord, please take us. Survivors in this hellishness, nothing else could shake us. Seeking innocent slaves, nothing else will wake us. Murderers set free, justice system still rape us. Feeling boxing, why the world say shape up? I guess that's why I have a small circle. Put my trust in many hands, and them hands try to hurt you. The same thought as Adam when he ate the first fruit. Lost a betrayal, racing history like there's but no trail. Broken, beaten, and frail. Still survive to speak the tale. <laughs> but I don't really know much. I'm just that black man here, boy. Boy, I'm just that black man here, boy. Boy, I'm just that black man here, boy. I don't really know much. I don't really know much. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. I have an EP, a short album, that is streaming everywhere right now. It's called Soundbites. The music you're hearing right now is from Soundbites. Listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you stream music, or buy it on Bandcamp, because a single purchase is the monetary equivalent of streaming it all day, every day, for a year. I'm also working on another album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, you can buy my music, or you can support me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Santiago Ramones. Follow me on Instagram to stay up to date with all the stuff that I'm doing, both at bit.depth and at Santiago Ramones Music. There's also a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. Go to SantiagoRamones.com slash Discord to join. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews by saying how much you like the podcast, and tell your friends about it. I really couldn't be doing this without you, and I am so very grateful to continue doing BitDepth for this long. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>